well, that was a year. Like, it was kind of horrible, but some good games came out, so that was worthwhile. So let's say we never ever think about that awful, awful year again. And let's begin 2017. You guys pumped? I'm super fucking pumped. Yeah, I'm fucking, I'm losing my shit right now. I, whoa. Pers- <laughs> Did you lose? No, it's fine, it's fine. Persona 5, Tekken 7, Zelda. There is a lot of stuff to be excited about this year. Yeah, Horizon Zero Dawn. Yep. It, it's, it, it's like Tomb Raider in the future. Your favorite Neve, Knack 2. joining us today on the let's fight a boss cast joining us here is the man forged from molten steel the human cannonball brian hey everybody crashing true your soul and a long time ago a cursed girl brought out into the middle of a forest and abandoned raised by bears she is neve the grizzly hey and with you always i'm your host john and thank you for joining us for the first episode of 2017's Let's Fight a Boss cast. How did you guys get on over the Christmas break? Um, I played a lot of games. Oh yeah? You were playing Titanfall 2. Yeah. Um, actually, this, this kind of has a backstory. Um, I got Titanfall 2 and I got Rise of the Tomb Raider in the Black Friday sales in anticipation of Christmas Day, which is the day I actually got to open them. But I opened them in advance to download all the patches and pre-install all the bullshit so that's, that I could yeah, actually play the games Christmas morning. That's such a bummer nowadays because like, I do like to buy physical games when I'm really excited about the game. And you always have to do that mental math of like, well, I'm going to bring it home at 6 and then I'm going to play it at 8. Yeah. That sucks. Uh, I played through the campaign in one day on Christmas Day. It's only like 7 or 8 hours long. Seriously? Yeah, it's wow. a really, really, really good campaign. And then uh, I'm like level 15 in the multiplayer, which is pretty good. There's a lot of people playing it uh, around Christmas break. Um, so I always just got a match super quick. From what I hear, like if you're not getting absolutely destroyed in that multiplayer, you're kind of doing okay because it's so skill-based. It is. And there's a big difference between like just playing as a soldier and then like actually going into your Titan. Um, like... It, it gets so fucking hard in, 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 the, in the second half of the match yeah. when people are able to just, like, call in a Titanfall. Really? You don't um, play shooters that often online? How did you find the entry level for this? Oh, it's fine. Like, completely acceptable. Um, I have no interest in, like, military shooters like Call of Duty or Battlefield, but if it has enough of uh, a gimmick or, like, a different kind of hook, like like... Time Splitters or Bioshock, and there's enough going on in Titanfall, especially in the campaign, because it kind of feels like a Valve game. Uh, each level kind of has like a new concept or idea, um, so it didn't feel like a military shooter, per se. Yeah, what you showed it, what I saw of you playing seemed really, really cool, and like I'd never played any Titanfall before, and for a while it was like you know a bunch of. A bunch of fast ninja guys shooting, running around shooting each other. But then there was like a really great moment where like a titan stepped out and I was like, oh, that's right. Yeah. I forgot. Um, I have gotten real good at like jumping on top of enemy titans and then it just like will auto-cue you pulling out their batteries. And that's yeah. real fucking fun. Yeah. 
and then you just run away because like if you're playing as a titan it's very easy to just like step on other enemies but it's also kind of hard if you run around and jump a lot because then it's like trying to catch a fly mm. yeah so like you played that too late for us to consider it for a game of the year yeah how hard do you think you would have pushed that that would have been in my personal top six it'd be like three or four wow. I would have pushed uh, in the general top five no hassle like it's really really good yeah it seemed cool it seemed like something I really don't know if I'd like it or not just because first person shooters are so hit and miss but it seemed really really interesting yeah as someone who like has no interest in first person shooters completely caught me off guard yeah I'm gonna pick it up I think I think you'd really like it Yeah, I think at some point I want to give it a shot because it seems cool. And apparently, like, it didn't set the world on fire sales-wise. No. Which is unfortunate because, according to some people, it's, like, pretty much the best first-person shooter to come out last year, including Doom and stuff. So, yeah. But for me, it kind of just has, like, bits of Valve games, bits of the Metroid Prime trilogy, kind of all kind of melded into one. And the robot sound. Yeah, the robot is pretty cool. Cool. I I like BT. He's, He's a cool guy. So, Neve, you have finished Final Fantasy XV. I have. I gave my life and soul to finishing this game over Christmas. Every time I logged on, you were playing it. It was insane. And I couldn't tell if like, you had turned on the game. Like You were like, oh no, it's, it's, I was wrong, this is great. Or if there was something more nefarious at work here. It was a march towards the end, it really was. A um, death march? Yeah, it's... I don't want... There's some good things to be said about it, but for me personally, it is the weakest in the mainline Final Fantasy series. Like, I try and think of one that I would put below it, but there isn't. Certainly, I felt the more of it I played, the more what you were saying about it being slapped together Mm -hmm. became harder and harder to ignore. Like, it really feels like a collection of assets in a lot of ways. Oh, completely. Like, 100%. I'm not really buying the world at all. And even the more you play, you're in the open world part now. It's so split up. It's like up until chapter 10, you're open world. That's it. Then chapter 10 to, I think it's 15, um, that's all bloated with story. There's no way to play the game in the same way you were playing it up until that point seriously yeah you can you can call your magic dog to take you back in time which is really annoying because it's not explained so i reached that level Mm. and i was about level 47 and i felt a bit underpowered yeah and there's nowhere to grind anymore so i had to call the dog go back to the open world area grind a few more quest lines get up to about level 50 and then i went back and tackled the story and it was fine but um it's just a messy messy game And when I think Final Fantasy, I think the characters, the story, and that is not there. Even when I think back to Final Fantasy games I didn't enjoy, the cohesiveness of the world is always a big thing. Oh yeah, completely. Like, like for as much disdain as I have for pretty much about everything about 13, I get a distinct sense when I think of that world, Mm -hmm. you know? And that is definitely not presence in 15, which I still have to make my mind up on, but yeah. I'm really curious to see what you'll make of it because like you really hate 13 and as confusing as the story is of 13 and you have to go and read um, the docket and you'll kind of get your way through it there is kind of an avenue for you to understand characters motivations like Saz is looking for his son Fang is looking for Vanille to be honest it was the dialogue and the pacing that killed Mm -hmm. 13 for me that was what made me just 
not be able to play the game. This has dial 15 has dialogue, pacing problems, and no one's motivations are clear. There's just no context. No, there's just none. When you're fighting the last boss, you're like, why? Why am I doing this? There's an info dump, like you meet Bahamut and Bahamut like basically tells you what the fuck's happening. What? And you're like, oh, thanks. Thanks. And it's like, I've invested 50 hours in this narrative and I do not know what's happening. Did you enjoy playing it? Yes and no. Because, like, you're running around, like, you run around a fantasy world. It's like, even Final Fantasy 13, like Grand Pulse, it's designed as a fantasy environment. The plants aren't something you find on Earth, you know? The rock formations yeah, aren't. Yeah. So, with 15, it's like this barren desert world or it's grassy or whatever, but it looks like a natural habitat with a map painting in the background to kind of sell the fantasy aspect. So, it wasn't particularly fun going around the environment. Like, it looked made up together of assets. Uh, the battle system I did like, like I really got into that in a big way, um, and I've been like been taking on some kind of more higher level quests now that I'm finished it, and I'm getting a lot of enjoyment out of it. But even that's kind of janky. So here's what it sounds like to me. It sounds like there is like base level boxes that this game is ticking for you. Mm-hmm. You enjoy the moment to moment of the game. Yeah. But it's like what could have been and what it isn't that's really pissing you off. Oh completely. Like that's 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 the worst thing about it is you see a lot of work going into individual parts and you're like, if you just tied these up together neatly, like even if this was the story that they wanted to tell, even if they went with that story, which I think is bad, but if they told it in a more cohesive way then it would be a much better game like they just needed to put dialogue in the front half of the game explaining situations yeah it's such a strange game because i like i there's parts in the first couple of hours where i'm like man this is like bold and this is interesting and this is cool but then i'm more and more encountering bits where it feels like a, a game in beta yeah like there was one bit where i was driving along the road and some sad plot things had just happened and the characters were sad and they were all kind of talking and next thing like this set animation started playing and i think the set animation was like one of them was meant to have farted and they were trying to figure out who did it but the dialogue was carrying on while this animation played well so like you know they were talking about like death and loss as they were all like you know waving their hands in front of their nose and pointing at each other and it felt broken yeah it's that complete disconnect that's all throughout it because you're like even the main kind of character story bits happen off screen. Like you'll get a like you'll get a cutscene. It's like, well, you aren't at home, and this is what's happened at home. Yeah. It's like you're not in this place, and this is what's happening here. Everything's happening without you, and it feels really divorced from you and the people you're with. But your relationship, like Prompto, Ignis, Gladius, they don't really grow either. I I hate Prompto more every hour. I think he's like. Nerdwriter did a and um, there's a YouTuber called Nerdwriter One. He did a really decent video recently called um, "The Epidemic of Passable Movies." I think it was mm. called, and it was saying how like passable movies happen where movies aren't taking from life; they're taking from other movies. Mm-hmm. So you get these canned oh, yeah, yeah. dialogue sequences, yeah. you know. And I feel like with all the characters in Final Fantasy 15, but especially Prompto, he's a character purely based off other video games characters, and he's the worst. Like, not even that he's irritating or mm-hmm. anything, he's just so predictable. Like, I can tell what he's going to say before he says it. Yeah, he's the Riku selfie of this game, you yes. know, character, but not likable or charming in any way. 
And that happens to the rest of them. As Gladio goes on, I think he gets worse because he becomes more of the I'm gruff and I hate you kind of guy. And it's like all his character goes away and he just becomes a trope. That sucks. And yeah. that happens with like... Um, the female characters are treated really badly in this game as well. I'm going to like... Cindy is the worst character design I've ever seen. Uh, you upgrade your car, you get a nice F&V of her like bending over it. Uh, over it. Um, Luna Freya is just weak motivation for Noct. I'm not going to say anything about it, but John, I can't wait for you to get to that scene that I'm thinking about right now and have your thoughts on it. I'm fucking pumped. Mm-hmm. Um, she, it's the worst reiteration of Shiva I've ever seen in a Final Fantasy game. Like, Shiva's such a badass character. Just, um, just picture her doing her move in Final Fantasy X where she's clicking her fingers and the ice is breaking and everyone's dead. She was always, like, seven, eight, like seven and eight, her moves mm-hmm. were fucking sick, too. They were so cool. Shiva was cool. This is the worst version of Shiva. Um, the regalia has the most fulfilling character arc the car. and yeah the car and everyone feels sadder about the stuff that happens to regalia than about the characters that end up dying off screen uh, it's just it's this really strange game and it's like what you're saying about nerd writers video where it's like movies based off other movies this is a final fantasy based off what every what the executives think people like about final fantasy yeah it's like trying to be everything to everyone, but it turns out to be nothing. Like, I couldn't... I couldn't... Like, I know people dislike the first, like, five or six hours of Final Fantasy VII in Midgar. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I love that. I think it's amazing. And I could not stop thinking about that bit and how real Midgar felt. Yeah. Like, how it's this just, you know, trash city. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to get that sense from fifteen. All that said, I'm still actually pretty excited to play, mm-hmm. like another 20 hours of it i don't know if i'm gonna finish this one but it seems i want to know what's going on See, here if you finish the next 20 hours that's you out of the open world part and into the story part so you kind of you know you're into a different type of game mm. so i think that will drive you to finish it because that's where i was i was getting burnt out and then that happened yeah and i was like what i can't i can't imagine how crazier this would get uh, all the environments feel empty. Uh, I could go on about how much I don't like this game. I hope the people who do like it like it. Fishing's fun. Yeah, it seems like they're resting a lot on their nostalgia, laurels, mm-hmm. yeah. and achievements. I'd say this will not be the last time we talk about that game. Yeah. Um, so I played a ton of games over Christmas. I'm not going to spend on any spend long on any one of them. But um, one of the ones I was actually really pleasantly surprised by was Pokemon Sun and Moon. Um, I think that's a really cool game. It's a lot more charming than X and Y, which I think is really what X and Y were lacking. And like, I know I talked sh- like a shit ton of crap about Pokemon Sun and Moon up till now. I was wrong. It's a good game. I like it. And what's more, um, my girlfriend got it over Christmas, and she compl- like she got another Pokemon game in the past. I think it was Pearl, and completely bounced off it. She was like, mm. "No, nah, not my thing." She's like a fiend for sun and moon like she loves it a lot of the new designs are actually pretty cool and i know i said i hated them but they translate pretty well into 3d and i don't know i think this is my favorite pokemon game in a long while one little nitpick i have with it is like i don't know if you guys noticed but since pokemon went 3d a lot of the pokemon their 3d models are like really desaturated Mm -hmm. have you guys seen that is it just like in terms of color but in terms of color as well with the background action panels behind them i'm not sure what it is but it's like pikachu is like the palest shade of yellow 
Like, the most desaturated. Yeah, he should be brighter. And, like, I understand they might do that because the lower the saturation, the less it looks like colors will clash. But who gives a shit? It's Pokemon. Like, that kind of stuff is weird. But I like this game a lot. It's cool. I think if you were on the fence about this one, if, like, maybe you felt a bit burnt by X and Y, this is a really good one to get back into. Um, I also played way too much Let It Die. Way, way too much Let It Die. That game has its hooks in me like the very worst games do. How many hours? I'd say maybe 20 to 30. So not that bad, but mm-hmm. I'm less than halfway through the game. And you've only paid how much? Six bucks. That's pretty good to get like 20 hours out of a game. Yeah. yeah. My only worry is that like the free-to-play noose has started tightening like... I'm I'm kind of running into progress blockers I can only really overcome with money. Mm. And if that keeps up... Like, I want to be able to beat this game. But if it's the kind of thing where it's just going to keep, like, getting exponentially harder... And, like, it was never an easy game to begin with. Mm-hmm. That's troubling. But, again, this is a free-to-play game. You should totally download it and give it a shot. Like, even just to experience the opening. It opens real strong. Um, oh, uh, before we go back and just talk about some movies we watched can we just talk about one game that we all played together which was Tattletale uh, this is on Steam you can get it for PC or Mac Yeah, and it costs $5 and it's an hour and a half to two hour game and it's highly recommended to play with a group of friends mm-hmm. I wouldn't play it on your own because it's a very good shared experience um, I really really enjoy this because it takes place in 1998 and I love late 90s turn of the millennium bullshit What'd you make this game, Neve? I really like it. I was a Furby owner myself. Yeah. So, um, do you want to give the basic pitch? Yeah, it's yeah. it's a fictional Furby brand, and it takes place yeah, Christmas '98, and you get one of these for Christmas, but its mother wants it back, and there's also a VHS pentagram ritual. That's enough, I guess. Yeah. yeah. It, it's it's a first person survival horror. I have to say, I was not mad about it. No? I didn't... I thought the gimmick was awesome. Like, mm-hmm. the idea that, like, you have this, like, Furby, haunted Furby yeah. toy. And I thought... Like, when I realized that's what we were playing, I was so excited. But I felt like the execution and the gameplay mechanics kind of sucked. I think... there There is there is some, like, peaks in that game. But mm-hmm. I think it could have had a few more crazy moments. When you go downstairs and you see what they're doing, that to me was worth the price of admission alone. So I'd still, it's five bucks if you like horror games, I'd still recommend it. But I felt like, I guess it's just one of those things where it's like, man, this could have been incredible. Like to me, this could have been like 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 a 3D witch's house where every every 10 minutes you're like, what the fuck, you know? Yeah, for sure. Because there is a bit in it, like towards the game, towards the end of the game where it, it was getting tedious and like eventually, because it was me playing, eventually I figured out yeah. like how to survive Mama without her trying to get you. I think um, if they had taken like the actual like gameplay mechanics out where you can die, and if they had just had like a hour and a half narrative style game, I think it would have been way stronger. Yeah, but it was still like I'd still think this is worth playing with friends. Yeah, for sure, and it's got like some pretty good fan art of it mm. online, which is always nice to see. Yeah. Um, we are going to move on. I, I also played Shantae and Hitman. Both those games are really good. I'm going to talk about more, more about them in a future podcast. So the movies we watched? Yeah, let's go on some movies. Brian, 
you watched Storks. Yeah, Storks. Um, this year I watched a lot of 3D animated kids feature films, and they're really, really fucking good this year. I'm really, really impressed with with, with all the different studios. This is made by Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. which you don't really hear a lot about uh, these days. Um, what was the last uh, actually? Animation? The the I I um I think it was the Lego movie that oh, they okay. actually did, um. But for me, whenever I take a Warner Brothers feature film, I think it's Space Jam, <laughs> or kind of those those kind of movies. But this is like a three D animated movie about storks that deliver babies, and it, now in modern day they run a Amazon type company where they just are a courier service. Okay. And Andy Samberg voices the main stork. Um. And Key and Peel, who are fantastic comedians, voice these two wolves called Alpha and Beta, and their entire wolf pack is like the fucking core of this film in terms of comedy. Like it's hilarious. That sounds awesome. Um, you know when you watch like a proper nineteen fifty five Looney Tunes Chuck Jones short, like like a real like Bugs Bunny short, yeah, mm-hmm. or the one with the singing frog. Um, oh, that's so good. You know, just real classics. It yeah. like it, it's got that classical comedy to it really yeah and it translates super well into 3d but the visual gags are fantastic the dialogue is really really sharp and like it's got these weird disjointed broken moments that i guess kind of stem from the andy samberg lonely island and hot rod do you remember that film yeah like it's got bits in the movie where it just sort of kind of breaks for a moment but it's really fucking funny if you if you go with the flow like it's very very different to like moana What's the premise of it? Like what? Um, How's the, their wolves? The storks accidentally uh, create a new baby for delivery, and so they have to go back to basics and deliver one of the old babies. And they have to just and it's just that they go on an adventure. So babies are kind of stuck in this. Uh, the way babies are made is not from humans, but they're made in like a magical chamber. Okay, so, I like this idea. It's Does a, sex exist in this world? Probably. Okay. It's just not touched on. Did you see the last uh, yeah, episode it's... of South Park? Yeah. It's probably like that. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it definitely just ignores a bunch of rules, but then it kind of like makes you look the other way with really, really funny jokes. And I was totally up for it. I, 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 I really, really recommend this film. Cool. It's that great. sounds good. Yeah. It's Check very, it very funny. Neve, you watched The Handmaiden. Yes, um, The Handmaiden is the newest film from one of my favourite directors. Uh, Park Chan-wook. There you go. Thank you, Brian. Um, director of Old Boy and the Vengeance trilogy, so simply for Mr. Vengeance and Lady Vengeance. Um, this is his adaption of a lesbian novel called The Fingersmith, which was adapted into a BBC short series. And this is his take on it. In the original version, it's um, set in Victorian England. In his version, it's set in a Japan-occupied Korea, so around 1910 to 1945. Uh, it's really interesting. Like It's a thriller, a psychological thriller. And the idea is there is a con artist, and he hires a female thief to be a handmaiden of this lady. And this lady is like kept away in this house... And she's used to read books to the man of the house. She's just kept there and she reads them to him. 
And the idea is that this handmaiden would come in and kind of convince her to marry this con man. And that's the first plot. It's three parts. It gets crazy. You don't know who's conning who. And it is one of the best films I've ever seen. Wow. It is amazing. That is some strong recommendations. Mm -hmm. I love South Korean films and I just love the risks they take. What is it, do you think? Because I like South Korean films a lot too. What do you think it is that makes them so different? They only get to make so many films a year because they don't have a big Mm -hmm. budget Hollywood system. But because of that, the amount of care that's put into this, like this is period accurate. There's such beautiful things. Like she, there's a scene where she takes down her hat boxes, and there's multiple and multiples of like it's just really looks of these beautiful hat boxes and stuff inside. There's this library of books that you see and scrolls and hand painted like art plays such a big part in the story. Like hand painted manuscripts. There's so much work just gone into the creation of the world to sell you the story, like without even the work of the actors and the story. Um, so I think that's a big aspect of it because old boy is the same. It's yeah. just yeah. Brian, I think um, you said to me before about how Korean films are kind of like uh, the best of like Asian cinema and American cinema. Yeah, and I, I think I totally agree with that mm-hmm. uh, for sure. Um, especially because a lot of Korean directors have gone off and done a Hollywood film now. Like the guy who made I Saw the Devil made an Arnold Schwarzenegger action movie a few years ago. And Park Chan-wook, his previous film was Stoker, uh, which starred Nicole Kidman and Mia Wazowski. Um, So they do get a lot of respect. And even um, in the most recent Terminator, they have like a main, like like, like a very famous South Korean actor Mm. as one of the T-1000 clones. Cool. Um, I'm just going to talk about another South Korean movie, which is Train to Busan, which is a zombie movie. And... It does some stuff that I've never seen in zombie media. Yeah, that's alone is impressive. It's very, very hard to make zombie anything look refreshing. Um, but this, the idea of this is that there's a zombie apocalypse just just breaking out, and there's a bunch of people trapped on a train, and they're safe on the train, but they can't get off at any stations. And the whole idea is that some people might get infected on the train, so they have to lock off compartments. But they do a thing that uh, because it's Korea. And it's so technologically advanced, the uh, phones are still working all the way throughout the movie. So people are still able to talk to each other. That's interesting. So, the, mm. so there's a bit where the main guy's talking to his mother, and she's turning into a zombie on the phone. Oh, that's so fucked. Wow. I've never seen them do that, but it's it, it's such a nice kind of way of working the technology mm. in. Yeah. Because infrastructure is usually down in most zombie films. Yeah. Uh, but this, like, like Korea's just it, a it's well It's kind of scene. squirrel away a lot of kind of plot elements. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but in, in this, it's constantly reminded. And um, what kind of zombies are we talking? Uh, like parkour zombies. Okay. Like they and they speed up the footage when there's zombies on screen, so they kind of move like in a really disjointed manner. I remember reading about like a study. I'm sure it wasn't like that serious a study, but like pretty much parkour zombies are the only zombies that could actually be a threat to humanity because like regular zombies would be you just shoot them and they'd be dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like the way this will work is that you'll get bitten and then you just kind of stop. But then there's that kind of one minute like moment where all of a sudden you'll pop and then you'll just like become erratic yeah, and frantic. And because it's a train and there's very tight spaces, they're crawling along the up above luggage compartments. Oh, no. oh wow. Yeah, uh, but then they don't know how to use door handles. 
and if it's dark, they're docile. Like, like it, it, it's got really? a bunch of rules, which That's I really cool. like. That's cool, yeah. I, I, I really like when they have, like, a bunch of rules and then stick to them. Yeah, totally. Um, I rewatched The Exorcist, which I hadn't watched in, like, ten years. That is such a weird movie. Did you do this over Christmas? Yep. Merry what? Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> so, my dad is a weird guy, and yeah. he was like, okay, John, you know, you know it'd be great. And I was like, uh, what's that, Dad? He's like, what if we watch a bunch of horror films over Christmas. Like, I've never having shown interest in horror films before. And I was like, oh, okay, Dad, I, I can I can download a few. And he's like, get The Exorcist. And I was like, oh, Dad, Mom doesn't like Exorcist at all. And then he's like, I know. And it's like... <laughs> and so we watched, like, a bunch of horror films, and The Exorcist is still a really good movie. That's a scary movie. Mm-hmm. Nothing scary happens in that film for, like, 40 minutes. There's like 40 minutes with like the very odd slight scare, mm-hmm. but there's actually like nothing properly scary until like you know that long into the movie. And it has this weird effect on you where you keep waiting for the scare and you get kind of tired. And I think that's a real good movie where like it kind of breaks you down mm-hmm. over the course of it and just kind of like because if it was like if it was scary from the start, it's like your defenses are straight up and you're like, oh, it's we're watching horror. But I think because it's so patient with them, when they do happen, it really kind of gets you. It's kind of the slow burn of the film itself is kind of the slow burn of her transformation because it happens really slowly. One of the scenes I always remember is her coming down and peeing on the floor in front of the dinner guests. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like things are getting weird, but you can explain it away. And it's like an illness taking over someone until it gets too far. Another, I think another good example of that is there's a scene with a, in a doctor's office and it's just her like, rubbing herself against a door and it just looks like something like you know a mentally deranged person mm. would do but you're but you're like kind of like oh i don't know about this um what one, one of my favorite bits is that idea that satan is always watching so you know kind of earlier on in the movie where the priest is waiting for a subway and there's a homeless guy mm. and he goes can you spare some change for an old altar boy father but later on when he's doing the exorcism regan says that to him yep like that's that's fucked yeah yeah there's there's a lot of good stuff like that and um, one part i didn't remember is do you guys remember the dream he has about his mom yeah that's really freaky it's like his mom is standing like at the top of a subway stairs just in all black and she just starts walking downstairs and then it's like a flash to like the devil face for a second and it's it's unsettling as fuck but yeah um exorcist is still a good movie that's my uh that's gonna be my controversial stance this year Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. Do you want, do you want to talk about Rogue One? I think we've we all seen all it. We all have seen Rogue yeah. One. Okay. Neve, you were super pumped about this movie. I was delighted. This is um, everything I've ever wanted Star Wars to be. Um, it was amazing. Just big, expansive shots of space. New vehicles. I love Star Wars vehicles. Loads of new ones. Uh, amazing cast. Graphic, I can't, uh, graphic design, like all of it just fit together perfectly. I had the best time watching this film. I really liked all the kind of retro analog stuff. Yeah. Because the Yeah, because there was some like goofy technology in there, but that's how it was in the original films. Yeah, like it really just felt like just dirty kind of junk metal. They worked it in so well. Like there's a shot inside the like new TIE fighter cockpit and like it's the old graphics of him lining up the shot with like, and it's just, it looks... Like, it shouldn't work, but it works so well. It's so beautiful. Yeah. It's like that pop of pink. Um, It just... It's a perfect movie to go in between the prequels and the original. Yeah. Kind of, like, 
it kind of retroactively solves like one of the biggest I guess plot holes in mm. Star Wars with like why does the Death Star blow up if you shoot that place? Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it's just it's a very, very specific weakness and now we know the context to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not super into Star Wars. Like, I- I'll watch a Star Wars movie. Um, and I was kind of not into this movie for, I'd say, the first two-thirds of it. But then I felt like the last third really justified the whole thing. And I was really, really surprised with the direction they mm-hmm. took it. Because I thought they were kind of going for a Guardians of the Galaxy with Star Wars kind of thing. And I was like, I don't like these characters. I don't want to see them in another movie. It's not goofy fun. No, it's no, not. It's bleak. It, it, it's, it's more like Jason Bourne. Mm. That kind of, like, kind of just shaky cam, but it's serious. Yeah. Brooding. But... Um, you go ahead. I'm going to launch into something. <laughs> oh, go for it. <laughs> uh, it's just like every Star Wars is about the special boy with the sword. Like, it's about the hero. And I love that part about Star Wars. This is about the people behind the hero, you know? People might not like Jyn Erso as a character or think she's not very fleshed out. Or even at m- much of them, they don't get that much screen yeah, time. Yeah. But the that's... captain, I, I don't know what his deal is. Yeah, but you don't. I don't think that's necessary. It's nearly showing the forgotten people who get a battle to the end point, you know? I thought it was necessary before the final act. Like, mm-hmm. I was actually really frustrated with all the characters. I was like, these are incredibly uninteresting. But then, towards the end, I was like, okay, like, that's not what this film's about. Yeah, they're kind of not meant to be. They're just like, their realization was, we're working for the one goal, and maybe we have to believe in hope a little bit. The the casting was good. Like, I really liked the main girl as Jen. I thought she was great, and, like, she looked really cool. Felicia Day. Yeah. No, no. uh, Felicity Jones. Oh, Felicity Jones. Jones, What else has she been in? She's in The Theory of Everything. She plays Stephen Hawking's wife, and she gets together with Daredevil at the end of that movie, which is kind of nice. Oh, yeah. That's, you know, just some nice fan fiction there. Enjoy, Neve. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, I don't I don't want to say anything else that could spoil it, uh, but Donnie Yen was amazing in it as well. I don't think he was. What? No. I, I, I liked him. I think, I think you guys really liked Donnie Yen, yeah. and that's cool. He was fine. For me... Oh my God. He was such a sweetheart. If the film just starred Jin, Donnie Yen, and the robot, mm-hmm. and not anyone else, I'd be cool with that. I I, I think the other uh, Chinese actor doesn't get enough lines. Yeah, like, his thing is he's got a gun, mm-hmm. and he, he mines Donnie a little bit, so there's a lot of fan art of them together. I can see it. They're special <laughs> boyfriends. Uh, the captain talks about, you know, stuff that's happened to him, but it doesn't... I, I really wish he had a proper heart-to-heart with Jin. I felt like just that one monologue where he's just like, where she's kind of like, how can you do these things? Because like, he's kind of set up as a Han Solo type character. Yeah. And it has them shooting someone in the back scene. And it's kind of like, when Han does it, it's cool and charming or whatever. When this guy did it, you were like, oh, that's kind of sleazy. <laughs> but then he gets to that point with Jin where he's just like, I've been in this war since I was six, six years old. He had a like, pretty good line about, uh, you, I, didn't, I never got to choose. Yeah. And that was good. Yeah. And I like that aspect to him that he was kind of like, he wasn't the charming hero we wanted. He was someone who just was there because of bad circumstances. Um, this film had a lot of reshoots as well. Really? Uh, it, it suffered a lot that they had to kind of like go back and take out some of the grittiness. Was this the one that was originally meant to have been directed by Chronicle Guy? 
Maybe, yeah. I think, was he kicked off this at some point? Well, he was kicked off Fantastic Four towards the end, and now he's blacklisted from Hollywood because he, because he throws I tantrums. I think he was set up to direct this yeah. and then got kicked off. Because it. It, it was directed by Gareth Edwards, who did the Godzilla movie from, like, two years ago, which I don't like. I hate that movie. Um, but then he did Monsters, which is his own movie, and so, like, like, like he, he comes from a visual VFX background. Yeah. So like he he is like the right guy. Mm-hmm. When people say reshoots, like there was a few narrative ones, but a lot of it as well is just playing out the same scene in a different way, like more anger in it or from different angles. Like there was a lot of stuff like that where maybe the context of the dialogue is different in how it's said. So um, I was just reading some of the actors and they were like oh I'm surprised he went with that version of it because that means something different to the version I really like. and it's really interesting to hear them talk about that stuff because mm. that stuff is usually so kind of lock and bolt mm-hmm. you know like you're not allowed to say that stuff there's so. a huge committee led by Kathleen Kennedy Steven Spielberg's wife because she's at the top of this with the Star Wars Disney universe now and it has to get approved by a board uh, yeah. it's pretty crazy like they haven't even released a trailer for episode eight, mm-hmm. and that's out in like eleven months. And I figured there would be a trailer, but I think between now and May the fourth, there will be like yeah. a big hype trailer. Um, but that's directed by Ryan Johnson, who did Looper, and he did some of the best episodes of Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. So they like it, it is cool who, who who they are casting as the directors. Yeah, yeah, they're taking some chances with that stuff. Yeah, I really really hope episode eight like takes a lot of risks where do you yeah i think it kind of has to yeah because that's that's always the problem with the kind of like retro retread you hit it like you do a home run that one time and then what do you do but i hope it i hope it's good um they might have to reshoot loads of it now because carrie fisher had done all her oh man yeah for it, yeah and they don't know if she was like we don't know if she was meant to have a big role in the third movie but or what her fate is yeah in, in, in episode eight so um yeah i guess it would be remiss to say but rest in peace not to say, um, Carrie Fisher. She died. Oh man, yeah, over like the Christmas holidays. What a what a what a fucking great ass person. Like, yeah, she was so cool. It was really kind of shocking at the start when you found out she had a heart attack. Yeah, and then it was like, but but she's she's at the hospital. Yeah, I think um, if you haven't go back and check out some of her interviews, like she had a fire to her. Like she was awesome. Yeah, she's very funny. Yeah, there, there's there's a really good one where they're doing a roast of George Lucas and she does like a, a five minute speech. Seriously? That's really fucking funny. Yeah. I saw a really good one where someone asked her about how she lost weight for her role in um, the most recent Star Wars movie and like she fucking destroys the host for asking her. Like it was really, really good. Yeah, she didn't give a fuck. No, no, she didn't. Um, so I think that's all the movie talk we're doing, which means we're going to move into our quick time events. So there isn't a lot of news this week, pretty much because it was end of year, Christmas, all that kind of stuff. But we do have the monumentally important news that Ariana Grande is in Final Fantasy. Yep. Yep. It's the Final Fantasy mobile game. Like a little little rhythm game, or what is it? It's called Final Fantasy Brave Exvius, and it's been out in since 2015 in Japan, and I think it was out like early this year, like last year, 2016 in America. Oh, really? Yeah. So and this is a it's a it's, it's an RPG has your fave characters and some new characters, but uh, 
Dangerous Woman, Ariana Grande's kind of OC, I guess. So, did Dangerous Woman exist before this? Yeah, Dangerous Woman is the name of her album. What? Who does... Dangerous Woman is where she puts on the, what the bunny Gr- mask. Okay. Yeah. So she's a furry what Ariana... Gr- okay, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. What songs has she done? I don't know anything about this person. Focus well, on me? She she was in Victorious and then the spin-off Sam and Cat. She's from like the Nickelodeon Dan Schneider mm-hmm. uh, tween sitcom thing and originally. She's like five feet tall and she has like... Uh, uh, fake red hair I think yeah well, it's, it's definitely fake that's I don't think nat- it's fake that's not natural red hair maybe because <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, it's like actual red possibly but um, so she finished up her, her career in Nickelodeon was it or Disney Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon. she's had a bunch of songs and shit yeah ever. but yeah. She, she's a tiny girl with the voice of Mariah Carey better maybe some would say Neve <laughs> she's really sound yeah she uh, she's famous for licking the donut this all you could all be ma- you could both be making all this up for all I know. She's mm-hmm. super popular in Japan as well, though. Yeah, good for her. So this is um, she tweeted some pictures of the game, and it was her little sprite character of Dangerous Woman doing little attacks and stuff, and it looked really cute. And I mean, if you weren't already playing this game, I guess now you have a better reason to do so. <laughs> <laughs> the best Final Fantasy yeah. game, 2016. Yeah, it's just good to see some like pop star. It turns out to be like a big JRPG nerd. Mm-hmm. It's always nice. Yeah, I love when that happens. And that sounds cool. So we actually got a bunch of Nintendo news recently. Uh, the first was their stock dropped after Super Mario Run. Yeah. And this actually happens to Nintendo every time they release anything. Their stock always drops and then climbs slowly and then drops. Um, I think, I mean, it's just, I don't really know. I don't know what they were expecting with Super Mario Run. Mm-hmm. It was $10, 10 euro to download the full game. Yeah. Um, I downloaded it and it's free to start so the first three levels you can play yeah I think it plays fine yeah I, I really think they botched that price point so badly yeah because we were even talking before and like you said Brian how you would you wouldn't be happy about five bucks but you'd pay it but you wouldn't like I don't, you would not pay ten dollars for a runner like Oof. that's that's just misunderstanding what like the current climate of gaming yeah like it, it doesn't matter if it's Mario no it doesn't it was like that version of it was downloaded a lot at the start, like 40 million yeah. in four days. Which was more than Pokemon Go, which is crazy. But that doesn't mean anything since it's a, the free to start kind of thing. So it was yeah. kind of who bought it afterwards. I think like 10% went back and bought the full game. Yeah. But that's not a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It's still a very successful like mobile game in general. But I think they thought that this was going to be Pokemon Go that people paid for. And like... That's never. It was never going to be that, and Nintendo will never produce anything like that. That's such a fucking greedy price point. Yeah, I think they totally miscalculated people's interest in replaying levels to collect coins. Like, some people like to do that. I think that's a nearly a niche thing. That's some people like, just Patrick Klepek writes about that a lot, yeah. and like, I get it and I understand it. I'm never going to do it mm-hmm. like ever. Like, if I miss one coin, I'm not going to be bothered by that. No. Um, the switch is going to be forty percent slower undocked. So yeah, so this is if it's in handheld mode. Yeah, um, I kind of figured it'd be between thirty and forty percent. Mm. Yeah, be, this wasn't a surprise. To yeah, me. like it could be worse. It could be fifty percent. But it's also like we also don't really know what this actually means because forty percent of what? Yeah, 
Well, like, is it affecting frame rate? Is it, like, what is it affecting? Um, we don't know. Yeah. Like, all they're saying is that, like, well, it's not even, Nintendo haven't said this either. This is, like, this is a rumor coming from mm-hmm. a pretty reliable source. It's from Digital Foundry, Eurogamer, yeah. and their whole thing is that they do specs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they are, like, known by all other game journalists as, like, the go-to place for game specs. Yeah, totally. My only worry with this is if it's 40% slower now, we're talking about now, as it goes further into this lifespan, will that improve or will games get more and more heavy tech-wise? Well, that's tricky because, like, I I don't think games get more, like heavy on the console as their life cycle goes mm-hmm. on like I don't know if there's a precedent for that I think you nearly see the the opposite where games get more optimized as they go on yeah. like just yeah, look yeah, at sure. like just look at you know like the Xbox 360 is a great example Perfect Dark Zero came out on launch a year mm-hmm. later the first Gears of War came out and there is a like seismic leap in yeah. those two games and like if you compare Uncharted 1 to The Last of Us mm-hmm. and they're both on the same system but yeah. there's about 8 years between the two productions yeah but like for me, this kind of bothers me in the sense that what I like about the Switch is the ability to undock and go with it. Yeah, just play But if bed. the better experience is playing it docked, then what makes it a good purchase for, well, for as a handheld? I would say even if somehow it retained 100% of the power, mm-hmm. the better experience for me would be docked because that's on a TV with a proper controller. It's probably going to play better in a 3DS, which is an achievement. Mm-hmm. It'll probably play better in the Vita because a lot of games... Uh, that are released on the PS4 and Vita there's a big difference on the Vita versions yeah I think like the points for me where like this kind of becomes an issue is if like we still don't have specs for the for the Switch but if the Switch is weaker than the Vita undocked mm-hmm. that's where I start to go ah fuck this like yeah. that's not I'm still gonna buy one but like the Vita is like five years old now yeah same and it's like they were showing esports and they were showing esports with it undocked mm-hmm. yeah like that's not a thing if there's going to be if it's not optimized not right now it's not yeah so on the 12th it's, of january it's not, it's not going to be yeah like, on, on 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 the 12th of january they're doing like a proper press release with demonstrations and so the public can hold it in their hands and play it and they will answer all the questions mm-hmm. they will have the launch lineup yeah the big the big rumor now is whether or not uh breath of the wild is going to be a launch title that's but rather it'll be summer 2017 I would, like, if we are getting a Mario launch title, I don't need a Zelda launch title. I need a good Zelda game. Yeah. I, it'd, it'd be cool if there's a Mario launch title. Um, and I'm cool with a bunch of Wii U ports as long as there's a good uh, original launch title. Like, a lot of people are speculating that the way for this launch to be successful is if that they just crack open the entire Nintendo eShop and they have a lot of that stuff available for the Switch and I agree. I think if you want a strong launch, Nintendo has to leverage their nostalgia factor because it has a better nostalgia factor than any other console or any other manufacturer. And every time they don't leverage that for the launch, they fuck up. Yeah. Like look look at the Nintendo look at the Nintendo Mini. Like look how well that did. It's got purely on nostalgia. Yeah, it's got thirty games instantly. Yeah. Um, it'd be cool if they had like you know fifty you know between fifty and hundred games ready to go on the virtual console. That would mean someone would get that because a lot of people want the NES Classic and they can't but if they had this as an option they'd go with that yep. but I know what they're going to do is they're going to release them maybe they'll have four or five games and then they release them every month and they tweet them out that oh this like you know like this week we're going to have 
Zelda Link to the Past out on the 20, 20th of April, but nobody cares on the 20th of April. Like, if, like, and I know this is kind of armchair CEOing it, but if I was Nintendo, what I would do is I would have, you know, a retro catalog available, and I, when you open that game, you get, like, three games. Pick three games from the catalog and download them. Like, they need to come at this hard because that's the kind of stuff that's going to appeal to people. Like, they're never, they're not going to compete in terms of, like, technology. They never have and they never will. Do you think the people who charge 10 euro for a phone game is going to give free eShop no. titles? Ever? No, this is what I hope happens, not yeah. what I think happens. Yeah, they're greedy I think folks. they should do that as well. Like, some kind of, like, gesture of goodwill. Like, yeah. a free old title would and, be like, amazing. I'm not saying it because I want free Nintendo. Like, I don't... You probably I, own all I have games. I yeah. have multiple copies of anything they could give me, but for them to succeed, like in terms of an actual business strategy, that's the way they need to be thinking. Not ten euro for a Mario Run game. My armchair CEO suggestion is keep the Switch. Like I, they can't change the launch date now, but I would want it to come out with Breath of the Wild. Okay, like that would have been the perfect bundle for me. Um, so I think that would have been like a real game changing moment Yeah. because I think more people will go out and be like holy crap Switch Breath of the Wild like this this is what I'm getting where it's like Switch Splatoon remaster eh. Skyrim remaster yeah. probably yeah. launch I hope it's not a Splatoon remaster mm-hmm. if it's a Splatoon remaster they botched it this should be Splatoon 2 and they should play that game up because Splatoon's fucking incredible like it's so good It'd be the perfect one for online multiplayer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, it's got a good netcode and everything. Okay, Neve, hear me up. You're Mario, okay? Okay. And you're going to marry Princess Peach. All right. But before you do, you and three buddies have to drive across the Mushroom Kingdom in a convertible. Bowser's convertible. Yep. You, you with me? You with me? Yeah, okay. Okay, and we just shove together a bunch of different assets from a bunch of different things. We'll have, like, Sonic loop-de-loops in there. It doesn't matter how it fits together. And it's just, I think we can do this. Like, like maybe that tree game. from Kirby. Yeah, 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 totally. You could have like Star Fox. You can just have like a bunch of spaceships. Fuck it, like Ryu just standing on the road somewhere. Yeah, he's like, hey guys, can you? Oh, your 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 car's full. Never mind. Yeah. And then I guess the question is like, is Zelda going to appear? Because it looked like it wasn't going mm-hmm. to, but there's new stuff about that. Is there? Um, they had Jimmy Kimmel like a month ago. He had Reggie on. And Reggie brought the switch with him, and oh, he yeah. was very, very careful to show it in his hands. But he was like, it was actually running Zelda on the switch, and yeah. that's the first time because because in, in the trailer it's just you know corner pinned on using mm-hmm. After Effects. Yeah. Uh, but this is the first time you've actually seen like the switch on, and it's not a piece of plastic; it's actual hardware running mm-hmm. the game. Um, so it's on it; it's running. Yeah. So like, it might be there. Uh, it, it might just not like it. Like, it, it's either going to be launch or launch window. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm really, really curious to see... Why would you go on, like, a talk show that big, show a game that you're not going to release with it? Because you want to get the strongest game out in front of as many people as possible. But that only burns people. If I was like, I want that Zelda game, and they were like, oh, well, that one isn't coming out for another two months, and I was like, well, I guess I'll wait. But you already knew about Zelda. Mm-hmm. The kind of people they're trying to reach with an opportunity like that have never heard the words Breath of the Wild. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, pe- people who watch TV. Yeah. Old people. Yeah. And so, oh, we have one more news item. Blizzard have finally pulled back the curtain and revealed their gay character, and it is the poster child for Overwatch, Tracer. 
This is so dope. This is pretty fucking <laughs> yeah. cool. I'm very, very happy for her. Yep. I like made so many bets on who that character could be, and not once did I ever consider Tracer. Who is your top bet? I thought they would just do Zarya because it was the most obvious. Or like then like Bastion just to annoy people. <laughs> yeah, he's programmed yeah. that way. <laughs> but um like so I never considered Bastion, oh my <laughs> yeah. god, that would have been such a disaster. Yeah. Like oh Bastion's by <laughs> <laughs> Like, imagine imagine they made Bastion gay and then like a month later they're like listen guys he's actually bi just because you know mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, they released a comic uh, just a few days before Christmas day called Reflections it's on the Blizzard website we'll, we'll drop it in the Twitter links and uh, it shows some of the Overwatch characters with family and friends over the holidays and Lena Tracer is with her girlfriend Emily which sounds like Emily which is tr- we don't make her which is foreshadowing for one of the biggest pairings. Um, it was a really cute comic. Really happy it was Tracer. Yeah, like, good on Blizzard. Because yeah. I, I thought their their whole thing of, like, one of our characters is gay, but mm-hmm. which one was, like, the most non-committal, bullshitty thing in the world. It was, it was like, such a secondary school thing to say as well. Yeah, yeah. And fair folks to them for making it, like, the person on the box. That's yeah. super cool. Yeah, like Tracer was the first character I saw in Overwatch back in the beta phase like a year ago. Mm-hmm. And actually makes me kind of like Tracer a little bit now. Yeah, me yeah. too. I was yeah. just like, oh, she's my more sister. In- yeah. <laughs> she's more interesting now. Mm-hmm. Like, she has something now. <laughs> other than like, she's friends with the gorilla. Yeah, because yeah. before that, what, she wore a jumpsuit and had a British accent. And was friends with the gorilla. And like, no one really wants to hang out with Winston anyway, so it was no. kind of, I wouldn't felt ha- bad for her. I wouldn't hang out with Winston. Yeah. I'd hang out with Zenyatta. Yeah, it was it was a very very sweet reveal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of kind of a nice thing right at the ass end of a tough year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally. And so with that, we're going to take on a very special final form. So, long-time listeners will remember that at the start of 2016, we all made a bunch of predictions about what might or might not be, and whoever got the most right would be declared podcast king for 2017. Or queen. Or queen. You know. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we are going to go through them now. So, we started off real simple. Will there be a new Call of Duty? Yes. So that was one point for each of us. That was Call of Duty in space. Um, People didn't like it, but then they did. I think it seemed okay. It's just, I think people were already feeling frustrated with the Call of Duty series in general. But then the trailer came out and it was in space. And that was just a tiny little change people needed to lose their shit. And it still sold very well. It didn't sell... It didn't sell as well as previous Call of Duties. But that series has been on a downturn for a couple of years now. So... Mm -hmm. That game seems fine. I don't know. I don't. Apparently it's got Jon Snow in it as motion capture actor. Yeah. Uh, and, and he's a bad guy in it. Yeah. Kit Harrington and... What's his face? Conor McGregor are both in it. <laughs> Conor McGregor. Why? Yeah. I don't... Whatever. Well, um, we know him. Yeah, we do. Actually, we do. Yeah. We nearly had him on the podcast there recently. But then he was like, Oh, yeah, lads, you can't do it. Because that's how he talks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the second one was VR will remain fringe but gain a little bit of ground which i guess came true like yeah. it did gain ground what did how did we vote on this we voted neve was yes brian was yes and john was yes which means we all have two points okay yeah. 
Yeah, like it, yeah. It, it, it's certainly more optimistic than it was a year ago, but it's still got a lot to go. Yep. So the, the third one was Watch Dogs 2 at E3, and boy was it. Yep. So Nee ne voted yes, giving her three points. Brian voted yes, giving him three points. And John, the silly twit, voted no, giving him two points. So, oh, this one stings. This one really fucking hurts. Persona 5 will come out in 2016. We all voted yes. We were all wrong. Oh. <laughs> well, just, but but there, there have been trailers for that looking yeah. finished. It came out in Japan back in September. Does that count? Mm, I don't Not think really. so. Not unless we played it. Yeah, I, 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 I almost bought it when I was in Video Games New York because they had the import copy, and I was like, I could learn kanji. I could, I could <laughs> do this. But it's out here in exactly four months. Mm-hmm. The current wallpaper on my my laptop is uh, Persona Four coming October two thousand fourteen. Persona Five. Five. Yep, yeah, that's it. Also, Breath of the Wild is coming out in twenty fifteen too. So you know, it's yeah. gonna it's gonna be alright. Yeah, I can't wait for twenty fifteen. That's gonna be a great year. Yeah. Um, so that leaves the score Neve 3, Brian 3, John 2 um, so then the next one was Zelda Wii U 2016 <laughs> so Neve said no yeah. and was correct with 4 points Brian said yes was incorrect with 3 points and John wrong again, 2 points so me and John were a bit too confident about mm-hmm. 2016 because we were like, look, they, 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 you know, it's going to happen. It's going to come out this Christmas. Sometimes me and Brian get emotional over Nintendo properties. Yeah. That doesn't seem to make sense. And Neve gets us for it every single time. I'm trying to distance myself more from the company every day. I'm very, very apprehensive about the Switch next week. I'm looking at it through a, like a very, very foggy window. Yeah. So, the next one was, we all tried to predict Hideo Kojima's new game. <laughs> Which is Death Brian Stranding. Brian predicted a trippy mystery. I believe it was Twin Peaks style. Yeah. Uh, Neve predicted Spooky Town. And John predicted a follow-up or a spiritual successor to the Snatcher franchise. And I would say we were all wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but also a tiny bit right. Yeah. In- very, very little kind of aspects. I think you could take bits from each one of them, but I don't think any of us get points for that. Because it seems to be a post-apocalyptic dad simulator, by all accounts. Perfect. So then, I actually can't remember if this one was right. The NX at E3 2016. No. 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 So, that, so we all got that wrong. We all said it would be there. Well, we are fools to think that Nintendo would make a good decision mm-hmm. and unveil a console at a video game trade show. But, you know, the Oh, this was the real year. This was the real year where I'm like, I don't know what game Nintendo are playing anymore, but, like, they're not... I, I didn't buy any Wii U games in 2016. Except... Oh, no, I, I, I bought Fire Emblem... Or that fucking... Tokyo Mirage. Yeah, Tokyo Mirage. And I played that for six hours. But, like, there was fucking nothing mm. from Nintendo, really, this year. So, with that, the scores remain the same. Neve is in the lead, Brian is second, and John is third. Oh, for fuck, God. Valve will release Half-Life 3. So, Neve said no. So, she's five points. Brian said no. So, he's four points, and... John said yes at <laughs> yeah. two points. This optimism Kool-Aid that you drink all the time. Yeah. Neve, 
None of this is based on optimism. This is all <laughs> fucking solid logic that I know. Mother 4 will be released in 2016. Neve said no. Brian said no. John said yes at two points. Awesome. I'm so glad we did this. This is great. Is Mother 4 the fan game? No. Because that, that still hasn't come out. It's not, no. It was, it was supposed to actually come out like in autumn 2016, apparently, but, you know. Yeah, uh, I don't know what's happening in that thing. I must check. They're, they're still updating their blog regularly enough, and like it looks cool, but... Actually, speaking of like Earthbound kind of themed games, Omari released a new trailer. I think we'll loot drop it, because it looks fucking class. I've kickstarted it. You know Omocash? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's their kind of RPG maker, Earthbound-ish. Looks pretty like You May Nikki, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah that looks um, cool. But we'll loot drop the trailer for that because it just came out and it's really, really nice. Any it? any idea when that might happen? Uh, maybe summer 2017. Cool. Okay. Um, This one's kind of a bummer. A new IP would make its way into our top 10 that we had never heard of before. A sleeper hit would happen like Undertale or something like that and that actually didn't happen yeah the closest thing we had was Hyperlight Drifter but 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 we backed that we so backed we, that so it doesn't count I, I kind of knew about about Inside in advance yeah I mean it, we knew they were going to make another one uh, what about Fury getting the closest to that like that was that in your was, top that six. wasn't in our top 10 yeah oh. okay yeah. it was in your personal top it was yeah yeah Fury is so, about the closest thing I could think of because yeah. we didn't yeah. know yeah Fury just came out and was mm-hmm. really good yeah so, Neve, you said yes to that. So There's you're at six points. Brian, you said no, so you're also at six points. And John said yes and remains at a staggering two points. Well, Neve, which one of us is going to be the queen? <laughs> well, there's one more. You might, you might pull through, John. The Dreamcast 2 will be announced in 2016. It was no across the board. We we're all right. So now we have an issue where... We can be both queens. Yeah. I don't like that idea at all. <laughs> Me and Neva queens together. Yeah. And you're a little fucking pawn. A little surf boy. Yeah. So, oh, a surf. You're a fuck boy. I really hate this idea. Sit on the floor. Someone will write fan fiction where you're a don't, boy. Don't fucking tempt it. it. Don't. Don't. Can someone just do like a very, very no. like quick napkin drawing of me and Neva's queens and we're on the throne, but we're kind of like each sharing like kind of like an armrest because mm-hmm. we're friends. have no idea the dark portals you're both opening up right now. It's fine. I like it. Even Brian, queens of the podcast, 2017. Yeah. What, what is gender? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, there you have it. We have the queens of the podcasts. Woo. Neva and Brian. I really wish I had thought this out more. And we are going to move into our next section where we try and predict major happenings in 2017. I really need this. (laughs) Okay, so Kingdom Hearts 3 does not come out. I'm going to say it doesn't. It doesn't come out. No, no way. That's a no from all three of us. That's a no Mm -hmm. across the board. Switch is a critical success, and just to just to get specific about this, I mean that games journalists and you know online media personalities feel generally positive about mm-hmm. the Switch by the end of the year. Yes. Yeah, I think they do. Yeah, same. The Switch is a commercial success. No. Yes. I'm gonna go with yes. 
oh man, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. My my gut saying no. The yeah. the, the ink is dry, Neve. This is that's a hard one for you to say. Yeah, I know, but I I, I think I, I have a lot of doubts. I've I've been following Brian's character arc with Nintendo yeah. in the last year and a half, and you have fallen away from the company so much. Hey, I like Titanfall too. For like what like when we did the first episode of this podcast, you were like, "Hey, I'm Brian. I'm a Nintendo fanboy." Yeah, and they've just broke your broke your tiny heart. No, I'm a Sony dude, bro queen. <laughs> it's cool over here. Yeah, <laughs> um, I love my PlayStation Four. Me too. Which P? Okay, this is more where we have to pick a company. Which company is going to make the biggest fuck up this year? Yeah, just like a a, a company releases a tweet or they just do a one eighty on something. But but they have a PR shitstorm yeah. and fans backlash at yeah. them. Now I think the answer to this is all of them. I think they will all fuck mm-hmm. up at some point because that's the way social media works. Who will fuck we, up the most? Yeah, but we have to point the blame finger on a company, so we each get to pick a company. And I am going to go with Ubisoft. Like you I think re- you're mad. <laughs> Do you you think it's unlikely that Ubisoft will fuck up? I think they will. Ubisoft of we can't make female character models because it would take all. Females have multiple different limbs. We have extra bones. Yeah, extra bones, <laughs> arms, two heads. Yeah, it's your ribs. They're just, okay. They just completely ruin the walk cycle. I feel like they've tightened up ship a little bit. They have, but mm. I usually find... I felt like the... Microsoft were running a pretty tight ship at the end of the 360's life cycle. <laughs> That's when companies fuck up. <laughs> Alright, I'm gonna pick Blizzard. Blizzard are at a peak right now. Uh, with every peak, there's a fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 I think they're gonna just say the wrong thing and they're gonna piss off a lot and lot of inspired and hopeful tweens. Probably. Okay. I'm torn because like there's so many I could think of. But I'm going to throw my wild card out there and I'm going to say it's EA specifically over Mass Effect Andromeda. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's a good one. Yeah. Fuck. All right. I would say, I would bet Blizzard won't fuck up too much because Blizzard released so few games that there's so few opportunities for them to. Mm. And then when they do, the messaging around it is so tight. But People got pretty pissy over the Christmas event not being exactly what they wanted. So I think they're treating the fans so well that if there's going to be a backlash, they could just it could be something tiny. It could be, but I think the Christmas event was pretty bad. But compare that to like anything we talked about on our in like our yeah. biggest shit show. It's just with Overwatch, it's such a community driven game. But what if they just do like one tiny thing that takes something away from the community and they just like stamp it with this like obnoxious rule? I'm telling you, Bastion's gonna be bye. <laughs> bye, Bastion. <laughs> yeah, bye. Um, okay, so a returning one from last year Valve will release Half Life 3. No. no. I'm gonna go, yes. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Why would they release? Like, Valve don't even do games anymore, yeah. do they? No, they that is not being made ever. They made Portal Two, isn't that enough? I just think like the amount of money on the table, like, and I know, I know, I know they don't need money, but that's not how corporations work. They're not into games anymore. It's more about Steam. Uh, Well, they just released Dota Two Patch Point Seven, so (laughs) in your fucking face. The amount of money they'd have to spend to get 
Half-Life 3 anywhere near what people want it to be would never they like it's just too much of a financial loss for them it definitely will leak by now well let's just see what happens so you 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 I think Half-Life 3 will be released in 2017 not really announced I'll give you announced announced maybe oh no or Okay, anything to do with Half-Life 3. Official. Okay. Official. Mm-hmm. Like, a, a statement from Valve. Or a leak that, that then gets clarified by Valve. Or, or, you know, just, yeah, just I, think, I think, like, some solid new information on mm-hmm. Half-Life 3. S- something confident. The more I talk about this, the more I realize how bad a bet this is. <laughs> okay. But I'm going to take it just so I can sit here at this point. Just in the off chance at this point next year it happens. And so I can throw it back in both your fucking faces. If this happens, I'll give you two points for it. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Two but, points? I'm writing it down. But it, 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 it is a strong no from the Queens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jesus Christ, this was such a fucking... Bu- yeah. We're here this is the kind of reason, thing, John. This is the kind of thing where, like, I wish I could time travel back to myself walking over to this apartment next year and be like, John, don't fucking do it. Don't do it. You're going to ruin 2017. <laughs> okay. What else? Another returning one. A sleeper hit makes our top 10 this year. I'm going to say yes because that's what I want to happen. But then there's a lot of AAA titles yeah. that we're looking forward to and would probably do pretty well. Mm-hmm. You know, the new Zelda, I'm gonna say, Horizon Zero Dawn, Breath of the Wild. I'm going to say I think one will. Yeah. Because I think that there is more indie games in development right now than there has ever, ever been. Things like Steam. Like, do you hear that crazy statistic that 40% of all games on Steam released last, like, mm-hmm. released in 2016? Yeah. Like, there is an insane number of indie games. I heard it was even higher. What would you hear? I heard it was like 90. Yeah, same. Seriously? Yeah. Like, because but most of us shovelware. Yeah, and like it, it's just full of like, just like these weird Chinese, uh, like, you know, rip-off mm-hmm. games. And mobile games just put on the PC. Yeah. Well. yeah. Um, so, Neve, you're yes. John is yes. And Brian, you are? I'm going to be yes as well. I'm, okay. I'm like, like I'm, I'm very confident about the little guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Kanye's Endless Runner will release this year. No. No. I wanted to, but I'm going to say no as well. I think he's realized it's a bad idea to make your mom step into an Endless Runner game. Well, let's he's not stifle creativity, Neve. He's more interested in becoming the president yeah. in 2024, 20, I think. It, did he say? Or 2020. He, he wants Trump to go for eight years and then he's oh going to take after Trump. <laughs> that fucking nuts. Yeah, that's really nuts. Yeah, so that's 2024, yeah. I don't think I'm ever going to laugh at anyone being like, I'm going to run for president again. Yeah. You can. Like, yeah. fucking Kanye would do all right, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. If uh, I was thinking today how if, like, the racist stuff about Hulk Hogan hadn't come out, he could have probably done it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Resident Evil 7 will be well-received, and by that we mean it will be critically applauded. That's such a 50-50. Yeah, I I'm, really want it to be. As someone who really didn't enjoy 6, thought 5 was actually pretty all right, and love 4. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna kind of work backwards. I, 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 I'll just say no. It's not gonna do well. I feel like everything I've heard about it isn't encouraging. Yeah. Even when I hear people talk about why it's good, and people, some people do like the new demos and stuff. I didn't like that first demo. I haven't played the other ones, but so yeah, definitely. Not. I, I don't. I don't think I trust Capcom right now. Yeah, I'm a definite no. Okay, I think I'm going to get it. That's a release day title. I'm getting it too. Yeah, totally. Well, buy a physical copy. Near oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, believe me. Yeah, uh, yeah, completely. I'm trading that in. Yeah, fucking flip that shit. Mm-hmm. So that's a no across the board. 
Um, will Zelda launch on Switch? No. No, I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. No, no, no. So, will la- okay, will Zelda launch in 2017? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Just just making sure. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it does have to be there, but, like, it will. And the final one, will the Scorpio be received better than the PlayStation Pro? I think, we, like, we can agree that the PlayStation Pro has not been received well. Lukewarm, at yeah. best. Yeah. It didn't improve Bloodborne. What's the point? I'm going to say yes to this, because I think the... Xbox One can only go up. Yeah, same. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with no, because I've never seen an iteration on a console go down well. Now, it only has to do better than the Pro, mm-hmm. but I feel like they're going to be more ambitious than the Pro, and I think that's going to lead to larger problems. I think this uh, is DS liked it, all right. Like, this is their new yeah. console that they aren't calling the new console. Like, this is them fixing See, a lot of them. I think stuff. that's yeah. what they're selling it as. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's what it's going to be. I'm really hoping it is because the S you were kind of hoping for improvements didn't really come like you John that interface is garbage like they can't keep it yeah yeah so that's why I'm really a yes on it just as an Xbox One user I'm like if they keep going with what they have they're gonna sink themselves like there's no recovery yeah the latest Windows operating system is pretty well received Mm -hmm. yeah I I, I, I think it'll borrow heavily from that yeah yeah, I think you're right yeah I guess we'll see and with that those are our predictions for 2017 I still have to think of the year congratulations to Brian and Neve, our queens of the podcast thank you thanks all hail us And with that, we're going to move into our email section. And the first email we have comes in from Jay, and he is asking our opinion on Nier Automatia. Is that how we pronounce it? Yeah. Yeah. Have either of you guys played this game? Uh, I watched a Let's Play of it last night. Mm -hmm. The demo waiting for me. Okay. It's downloaded. I was really impressed. Mm -hmm. Really, really impressed. This is... I haven't played the first Nier game, so I don't know how much Platinum... It's being developed by Platinum, who is... We're big fan plans of Platinum, Platinum, but me and Brian at least. It's originally like a subdivision of Square Enix, kind of niche JRPG. Yeah. And um, I played the demo, and that plays like a Platinum game. That it, it's, it's, But it plays like Platinum at their best. This isn't Turtles, this isn't Transformers, this isn't Legend of Korra. Korra. This is like Platinum doing what they do. Um, it could well be a lot near as well, I don't know. But I liked what I saw enough that... I'm going to MAGFest tomorrow morning, and when I get back, I'm going to start Nier, because it's been on my list forever, and I really, really want to give it a shot. Mm-hmm. Main character seems really cool. Her dress is nearly really cool, but there's like a little panty window in there, and it just feels kind of pandery. Yeah. Because like she's an attractive character. like She looks hot, but she didn't need that, and it's just like, every time you see it, you're just like, oh, yeah, because I'm an idiot, you <laughs> yeah. know? It's just like if that slit wasn't there, it's like so many sins. Yeah. Just something nice to look at while you play. <laughs> That's what it's in there for. I know, but yeah. it's... Yeah. But it plays so solid. Like, it's really... Like... I don't... It, it plays like a kind of maybe slightly simpler Bayonetta. Mm-hmm. You know, it wouldn't have quite the same level of difficulty in the actions, but you can do a bunch of cool shit. Like, it has, she has a witch time dodge, and it doesn't slow down time. It kind of does other weird stuff, 
but well, she, she she she's fighting robots mainly, so yeah, it, it, yeah like it, it kind of fucks up their AI briefly, doesn't it? Yeah, and then you can combo out of that into other stuff, mm-hmm. and there's just some really weird gameplay mechanics in there. You need to equip your health bar. That's cool. And so you can de-equip your health bar and like put in more power. Okay. What, like, does that just mean you won't raise your attack? See your yeah. health? Yeah. Okay. And same for like the map screen. I heard that you could like like unequip her DOS and then she's like, you get a game over. Oh my god! Seriously, kind of cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Well, it's like putting the operating system into mm-hmm. the trash. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's like you know free demo on PS4 at the moment. I'd really encourage people. Obviously, if you like Nier, but even if you like anything Platinum has ever done, this is the closest thing I've probably played to like a Bayonetta style game. I'm really curious to play this game because I'm not a fan of Platinum. I find those games really difficult to play, uh, but I'm a fan of the original Nier. I'm happy they've got Platinum on board because I think this is going to get Nier in front of so many other people, and. You could probably say some not so kind things about the gameplay or the camera in the first game. Mm. Um, so I'm hoping I'll like this gameplay enough to enjoy the game that I really want to play. If you can get near the original one, it's about 16 euro for like PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360, and it is one of the best RPGs I've ever played. It's interesting because it was totally one of those games, and mm-hmm. it came out to like a chorus of six and sevens. Yeah, but then. It was just a game that never died. Like, you still hear people reference mm-hmm. it in podcasts. You still hear, you know, people doing essays about it on why it's good. And I think it's just one of those games where, like, it was flawed. And it did badly in the standard review format. But it stayed with people for such a long time. That's one of the, like, things about a solid six game. Like, a six to someone is like, eh. But a six to someone else could be their ten, you know? It's like, I like six games because you don't yeah. know where you're Some of my favourite games are yeah. sixes. Yeah, very, very personal game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, one of my favourite games is Azura's Wrath. That's a solid six. Yeah. And I love it. Near's the same. Like, it starts with an old gruff guy and his best friend is a talking book. And you meet other friends along the way, one of them being Emil, who starts off as a little boy and then becoming becomes that horrible moon skull face boy that you see often. Oh, what? Yeah, so yeah, he's, yeah. He, he, he's, he's kind of like the moon from Majora's Mask meets mm-hmm. no face from Spirited Away. Yeah. He's really entertaining in the game because every time you look behind you, his giant face is just there and you can just like, Nira's like, ugh. <laughs> God, you're horrifying. Um, I'm really happy to hear that the... The person who did the soundtrack for the first game is back, Emmy Evans. She is amazing. She wrote her own language for the soundtrack, and it is one of the best video game soundtracks of all time. Please go listen to it. And she's back for the second one. Yep. Sounds cool. Um, last thing I'd say about it is, like, the camera stuff is really interesting, mm-hmm. because it's it's just, like, a normal camera, and you're playing, like, a character action. Then it switches to side-scrolling. And the controls adjust slightly, so all of a sudden mm-hmm. you're playing a side-scrolling game. And then it'll go top-down and you're playing a shmup. So, like, it's... That's, the original did that, too. Yeah. It's really interesting. Mm-hmm. The side-scrolling stuff may look like Metal Slug or Contra. It was a running gun. Yeah. And you can move the character one way, but then twin-stick the shooting the opposite direction. So you're kind of meleeing from one end and just bulleting from the other. Yeah. That's kind of neat. Yep. It seems like a really cool game. I totally encourage people to go download it. Um, we have another fighting. Or we have another email game coming in. Brian, you want to read out this one? Uh, I won't read out the whole thing because it's not really... Uh, I, I would not answer some of these, but this is from Tari. And he just... The main one really is just 2D fighting games versus 3D fighting games. Yeah. He asks like, a lot of questions about fighting games and stuff. Yeah. And 
I, I, I guess we'll just talk about fighting games in general. Um, well, like, he was asked, like, the main thing he was asking was, like, about 2D, the different kinds of fighting games. Like, he's asking about, like, uh, the, like, Dragon Ball Z, Budokai Tenkaichi games, like, kind of Smash Brothers-ish games and stuff like that. But the main thing he wanted, he was asking about was, like, 2D versus 3D fighting games. Yeah. And the best distinction I've ever heard, and I think this was from Wooly on Best Friends, was that 3D fighting games is about controlling time, and 2D fighting games are about controlling space. And I think that's, like, the best way to think of it. Personally, I would prefer 2D fighting games. But you two, you two both play fighting games, but maybe a little less. Which, where would you weigh in on this? Um, over Christmas, I was playing Guilty Gear Xrd, But then I also played Blaze Blue. And one, and so, like, they're both 2D fighters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But one uses 3D models. Yeah. And I think Guilty Gear is much easier to read than Blaze Blue. Blaze Blue is insanity. Blaze Blue is like, Blaze Blue to me is like Arc System Works fucked up testing ground for things they might put into Guilty Year. Yeah, and I love it for that. Like I think it's really cool. Yeah, um, like because like to me, um, if I, if I think of a two D fighter, I definitely think of Blaze Blue more yeah. than I think of King of Fighters or something like that. Yeah, King of Fighters is it's kind of well, I think plus plus, that, plus that's in three D now. Yeah, the distinction there is like King of Fighters is like a two D fighter. Blaze Blue is technically an anime fighter. And anime fighters have things like air dashes and stuff like that. Yeah. And they're cool, but generally they, they're a huge commitment to learn. Yeah. Like, they're they're very difficult. I find Guilty Gear easier to read than something like Street Fighter V. Uh, I, 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 I can tell what's happening much easier. Really? Because Guilty Gear is so much more complicated. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like, like, sometimes I can't tell if I'm connecting it or not in Street Fighter. Really? Yeah. Just because the lines aren't overlapping. I know it's silly, but I, I, I need those lines to overlap. I but, get that too. I find Street Fighter seems very slow to me personally. But it's, it's just the yeah. way they move. Yeah. Um, the only fighting game I've ever really been into um, is Tekken. So I guess I'm in the 3D camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, started with Tekken 2 and I've been playing them all since they've come out. And it's the only one I can really wrap my head around. And I don't know if it's because the button button, button mapping is like two buttons for... Each leg, you know, right leg, left leg, right punch, left it's punch. Like that's it's a simple, mm-hmm. but it's a really good control system. Yeah, it is. yeah, that's fantastic. Then you do use your grapples, and it's like two two arms, two legs. You know, it's like it makes way more sense to me. Move mm. forward. You want to like left kick? You press the left kick button. Um, so I've always found an easier time getting to your grips with it and playing it competitively. I've played like two D fighters because I love them aesthetically. Like yeah. they are beautiful. They are my peak aesthetic in terms of artists like what i like to see yeah my my favorite like 2d slash anime fighter is probably persona 4 mm. arena 2 that's such a good one ultimax yeah, yeah. suplex hold any marvel v capcom just like oh they're I so love good the designs i fucking hate the look of marvel 4 like it just it's so they, floaty they're, and like they are the blandest looking 3d models mm-hmm. they 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 in, in marvel 4 the 3d models look like it looks like captain america from a mobile card game yeah, yeah totally it, really it, does. it, it doesn't look like it doesn't have that stylized look there's nothing mm-hmm. yeah it's a shame it's like generic female face on miss marvel rather than her actual face yeah. you know it's yeah. here's pretty girl faces and here are pretty man faces like it's just these aren't the characters you're playing as it's yeah. people cosplaying them I think um, 2017 is kind of going to be an interesting year for fighting games because I think 
as a whole, like the genre has slow, like it's really kind of slowed to a crawl. And like I think there's been really good games, like Mortal Kombat X was really good, Guilty Gear Xrd was amazing, and but I feel like those are games that are appealing to people who are already fighting game fans. And like you know, Street Fighter Five was like not well received as much as I liked it. That was not a well received game, and it's really tricky to say what fighting games need to do to get back in the conversation you know i think the hype around tekken 7 has been interesting because a lot of people who i see who aren't particularly into fighting games are interested in picking this one up yeah Um, i really want to get tekken 7 yeah me too and i think it's like there is a kind of ease of use that maybe because of the fighting system but it's it's not so stamped down in its own lore nearly like tekken is silly but you don't need to know anything about tekken to enter a new tekken game yeah. you know you can leave everything at the door like it helps if you play them but I don't it's know. kind of fun following the character arcs overall but yeah. i mean i think they're all simple enough that you kind of get it exactly you so know? you could kind of go in and have a fun time as yeah. a new player and in terms of being a tech demo it's very stimulating like it just visually looks great and the sound mm-hmm. track like like the music and the, the actual sound effects are fantastic in a weird way, I nearly feel like games like Overwatch are kind of an example of where fighting games have gone. Because Overwatch takes, and like I know it's more MOBA, but mm-hmm. b- before like MOBAs stem more from like fighting games than they do from RTSs yeah, in a lot of ways. Yeah, because because it's a core group of characters. Yeah, and like there's with thing, unique traits, and like there's counter picks, and there's character like you know like ranking tables and characters who are good against certain characters and bad against others. And I don't know, to me, like, the future of fighting games is somewhere in between Overwatch and Street Fighter V. Like, there is some ratio there that I think would revitalize them. I just don't know what it is. I I, I think all fighting games from now on should use a very, very strong netcode the way Street Fighter V does. Yeah. Because if they don't have that, it's just, like... The fucking online for Guilty Gear is so is so fucking tedious. It's so yeah. hard to get a match. I'm really really hoping Tekken Seven's online is is tight. Well, even like Mark of the Wolves that got its re-release last year, one of the best fighting games of all time. Netcode's bad. I don't know what there is to do with it now. It's like, mm-hmm. but like that should be one of the main things invested in the development of a fighting game. Yeah, totally. Because like, sure, it's gonna have local, but like the world is bigger and it's bigger online. Yeah. But it's interesting. It's going to be an interesting year for fighting games. He mentions like um, the Budokai Tenkai, like the Budokai games, Tenkaichi games. Those actually are great. Like the especially Dragon Ball Z Budokai Three mm-hmm. for PlayStation Two. If you do get a chance to get your hands on that, I'd really recommend it. And the Tenkaichi games, like the Xenoverse ones and stuff, I haven't played them. I kind of want to, but they just need to enter the right price point for me. Have you ever played any of the Naruto? video games I played a demo of one and the cutscenes from them are really amazingly impressive yeah they, they like re- like I don't know about the gameplay or whatever but like when you're pulling off a special move it's like the best that special move has ever looked including the anime yeah one of my favorite anime fighting games is Jump Ultimate Stars that's on the DS where it's just all the characters from Shonen Jump and it's a kind of smash style beat em up where you're just on loads of different levels yeah and it's a platformer kind of fighter that's fantastic. Uh, there's one of those called Grand Spirit, I think, which just does One Piece characters. That's really good. Um, I like some of the One Piece games. Like, I really, really like the One Piece Musou games. Mm. But Burning Blood, which is a 3D-spaced 
fighter that came out this year isn't good. Yeah. Actually watched a lot of One Piece over Christmas. One Piece is still good. I like it. Yeah. I thought 2016 was a great year for One Piece. Yeah. It was cool. So last time around the table, what's your favorite fighting game? You have to pick one. If you had to take one to a desert island. Uh, then it'd be Persona 4 Arena Ultimax Suplex Hold. Does the desert island have an internet connection? Yeah, sure. Shit. Oh, I... Hmm. Like Street Fighter Five, it's a good neck. It's not Street Fighter Five, really. No, like, do, I, I like uh, Street Fighter Five. It's not even top three my favorite fighting games. Do uh, the remake of Third Strike that was on 360. I want to do that, but Capcom versus SNK Two is real fucking good, and I think my head says Third Strike, but my heart says Capcom versus. When you leave behind, will be eradicated from everyone's memory. Will it be eradicated from mine? Yes. You will never have those moments. Oh, but Makoto is in third strike. Got there you go. But fucking Capcom uh, This isn't... I don't like this. You got to pick one, John. The queens have spoken. Yeah. Oh, you motherfuckers. Um, yeah, we are. Third. Mm. Third strike. It's third strike. Okay. Mine's probably original Tekken Tag. Yeah. Did you ever play Tekken Tag 2? Yeah. Real good, I think. Yeah, I like it's it a really lot. good. But isn't it like original Tekken Tag on the PlayStation 1? No. It's PlayStation no? 2 launch title. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. one of the blue desk ones. Yeah, yeah that has still the best video game intro ever, I mm-hmm. think. Like, it's so understated and it's so subtle. It's fucking awesome. Good game. But yeah, fighting game. Nothing would make me happier than if a brand new fighting game franchise came out this year and it was awesome. Yeah, that'd be great. Yep. That'd be really cool. Maybe that'll be the indie darling of 2017. Please, God. And with that, we're going to move into our loot drop segments. So I am going to start off and I am going to loot drop uh, Nerdwriter 1's video on mediocre films that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, that's fantastic. As, As someone who watches a lot of films and feels nothing about them, this explained a lot of my thoughts. Totally. And you can get all our all our loot drops on our Twitter which is just Let's Fight a Boss on Twitter and if you do want to send us an email you can email us at askletsfightaboss at gmail.com just check the descriptions for any of this Brian what do you got? Uh, I'll probably just link a trailer for Storks cool Sounds also good. I'm not sure if the trailers are good I'll link a trailer to Train to Busan as well just just, just some movies I watched here's some trailers sure I'm insane I'm gonna link a trailer for The Handmaiden and I'm also going to say, if you're interested in the book, it's by Sarah Waters, and it's called The Fingersmith, and that's what it's based on. Cool. Sounds good. So now we've got to end this podcast, and we've got to end it well, because this is episode 40. We made it. We did it. 40 episodes. That's like the age of like a parent. Yeah, totally. And I guess me and Neve are the moms, and you're the, the child? Is that how that works? I regret everything about this podcast up until this point. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Happy New Year.